Hey everyone, this is Josh and welcome to Life on Side B. I know my voice may sound a little bit weird, but that's because my microphone broke on my road trip. So I'm using one of my emergency mics in order to record this intro. <laughs> In today's episode, Becca and I are talking with Brandon Polk about social media. Uh, this is an episode we recorded back in September, last month, but because of my road trip, I haven't been able to get to editing it until now because I finally got back from the road trip. And so, so glad to finally be sharing this with you guys. It was great. We had so much fun talking, the three of us. And honestly, Brandon is like my new best friend. I have enjoyed getting to know him while recording this episode and really since then. Before we get into the episode, I have a few quick announcements. First of all, again, the Bee Chats is coming up. We are less than a month away and it's been so exciting on social media. We finally announced uh, all of our um, all of our Bee Chat leaders. We also announced it last month, being able to have people like Leslie and Kat back on, Ray, our very own Ashley is going to be talking about um, coming out. And then also to have Lori and Melinda and Ed and Matt coming back talking about belonging. Uh, it's going to be such a great time. There is still time to register and there are still discounted slots open. So if you go to lifeonsidebee.com or go to the link in any of our social media, you can go ahead and register there. Use the next 30 for, for 30 next 30 for 30 in order to get 60% off and get your ticket for $20. It's great. Uh, also, if you love this podcast, you can become a patron. Join us by becoming a patron. Support us. You will also get bonus episodes. Uh, you can review us. Subscribe wherever you listen um, to us. Subscribe to the podcast on there and give us a review. It helps people find us and see what we are doing and that we're not insane. Those are some great ways to be able to support this. We love you all. And with that, let's head into the episode. We have a very special guest with us today, someone I've been very much looking forward to having on the podcast, Mr. Brandon Polk. That's me. I'm so happy yeah. to be here. I'm not going to say anything important at all. Uh, nothing at all. I nothing doubt that. at all important. I'm gonna try. I'm, I'm seriously. I'm totally being oversold. I'm sure um, in terms of your enthusiasm to have me on the podcast. But either way, I'm the one that's excited. Uh, favorite people on this call. It's the fam jam. So we're gonna keep it real. I know. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and today, for everyone listening, we're gonna be talking about social media. You know, nothing, nothing crazy. So. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a little crazy yeah just a little bit of, <laughs> yeah we we're going to be talking about how do we have a healthy emotional interaction <laughs> with social media that supports our lives as lgbt christians and gosh is that still something i'm trying to figure out mm. um but, Hopefully Brandon does have some good things to say because Josh and I are clueless on the subject. So <laughs> right? well, I, I don't know if it's a good thing and I don't know if we should start here, but I was just on a phone call where someone recommended that they that you just get off social media entirely for a year. And uh, she was like, it was the most amazing thing that she's done. And I was like, oh, dear. OK, I mean, I don't think I'm going to do that. But she she's a pretty she's she's pretty angsty. I don't know. She, she's living her best life. So maybe I might try it. I don't know. I've, I haven't done it for a year, but I have done it before, but you know, that's good. <laughs> I can't wait to get into that conversation before we do. 
Um, Becca is the executive director of Revoice. <laughs> yes. yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Small changes in life. Small changes, which I promised everyone the next time you were on here, we would be talking about that. So it's a great story. Yeah. Hi. Hello. This is awesome. How do you feel? I am excited about it. Even a couple of months into it now, it is fantastic. So it has been such an awesome blessing to be able to work with Nate and Brandon and um, all the other members of the board and the staff and all that good stuff that, um, it has been an incredible opportunity to be able to get some some things going and try to have a more consistent presence just in the life of our side B peeps besides just providing the uh, conference in the summer. So it's been a, a yeah, good yeah. opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Becca's got her work cut out for her too. I mean, I think, um, and I know, I think we'll get into this a little bit of 411 on Revoice 2020, right? Just sort of our feelings and our thoughts maybe in this call. But I think that, yeah. uh, you know, the uh, where we're at now, you know, in the context of of, of this conference, you know, is uh, is a progression as opposed to a regression, <laughs> I, I think, mm-hmm. you know, of where, um, you know, the hearts and souls and minds, you know, of people uh, can be in general when it comes to navigating through difficult scenarios in our lives, uh, attraction, orientation, but really just life, right? I mean, life is throwing a whole bunch of things at us. And at, at the end of the day, whether it's COVID, whether it's um, violence in the streets or violence in your home, you know, we're all right. navigating through a number of vices. And what I found to be, um, and what I've always found to be extraordinary is um, the volunteerism into suffering at a certain level and into sorrow that gives us such great access to joy and love and strength and belonging that comes from a place that um, is just in us somewhere and it it just comes out. And so what's great about Revoice is finding people um, who share in that suffering, but also share in the recognition of the possibility, the potential for great joy and love. And um yeah, Becca. So you're going to take all of that, lead us into the second, or rather the third or fourth story here. Uh, really excited, of course, to have you on board and your expertise and your heart and your soul. All of it is just amazing. And we are ready. We are ready. We are here. We are ready. That's right. This is the greatest show. This is the greatest show. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it was when I learned about the news, I was, I was so excited. and. um yeah, I think, and then for everyone listening, anyone listening who doesn't know, um, like Brandon, you are also on the board. I am Revoice. on the board for Revoice, which was a yes. fluke in and of itself as well. It was a bit of a fluke. It was a bit of an accident. I don't know if it was an accident. It was it was kind of a chance meet with with Nate, uh, where he asked me to do a, a workshop on faith, having met me one time the workshop was not on faith but he took me on faith we had not mm-hmm. met before <laughs> and then after talking you know asked me to come onto the board which i was like i have no idea what this revoice thing is like what is going on um and then I am i doing a cult am i, I doing well, what <laughs> well that and i just didn't recognize all of the controversy you know that was around the thing you know 
Um, mm -hmm. I was like, is there really, like, is this a thing that people care about? Like, what's going on? I was like, who are all these Twitter people that are on my, on my back right now? And right. Um, here I am just, I'm, I'm a pretty straight shooter. Like, I don't live, you know, and we can, you can ask me these questions. I don't live within the context of, you know, the PCA or, or the SBC mm -hmm. sort of in, in my own background, more non-denominational yeah. sort of coming out of the black church, basically, you know, which is basically Pentecostal. That's where we, you know, mm -hmm. you know, you know, I love my black oh, folks. Yeah. We, we know what we're doing out here. Um, mm -hmm. And so I'm like, I don't have, like, I have a singular message. It's like Jesus crucified and risen and he lives in you. And so do what he Amen. says, um, love mm -hmm. him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and let him love you with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and let's live our lives in the best way that we can um, with the complexity and the complications of the life, you know? So I just felt like there was so much, I was just getting an education into so much that was surrounding Revoice when I came on board. And then I came on board and have been on board and that's been an amazing journey, a great learning journey for me. And, um, I've met the most amazing, wonderful people. So hopefully to continue on. Can I, well, first of all, that, that's awesome. And this is such a divert of topic. You have an amazing voice. <laughs> oh my gosh. What are you talking about? I don't have a voice at all. <laughs> no, no. I love it. Um, cause well, cause you also run a podcast. I'm, I'm trying to also like, we need to give an introduction to people who may not know you, but also if any of you guys have, were at revoice, you obviously saw the, the, um, the amazing Brandon Polk doing your thing at leading prayer, which <laughs> I connected. I so connected with you because you even there talked about your background, more charismatic background, which yeah. yay, raise the roof on that. Raise That's the right. roof. We need a place. A little bit of the Open spirit. The we, There's room in the inn. There is. Amen. <laughs> I kind of call myself a Bapticostal. Yes. yes. Amen. Yes. That's me too. the phrase my, I grew up with. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Same. Same. Look at yeah. us, all three Baptocostals. That's what right. it is. Baptocostals unite. What? Yes. What? Yeah. It, it's funny because so many times I think in the side B world, I get surrounded. And y'all, I love, I love my brothers and sisters who are more liturgical and reformed, and I love it. Yep, love them. But I'm like, yeah, this is not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I find a great deal of beauty in liturgy, of course, and. uh you know, and I always want it, you know, in, in my life, you know, um, and, um, I think there's something very grounding, you know, about the liturgy. Um, and then I just want people from Revoice to come over to my Pentecostal church sometimes yes. to get that other, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't want everybody to freak out. You know what I mean? I'm just like, everything's right. fine. Yeah. The things that you will see and hear. Um, <laughs> you will not die. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Fine. We're still going. Exactly. To I am still a real Christian, you know? So all of those things, <laughs> I, you know, That's um, right. I yeah. fully believe liturgy should have room for people being slain in the spirit. I mean, Amen, there, there's, gotta, yes. there's gotta be a place in there for that. Right. Yeah. Yes. yes. That's right. Get touched. Get touched. <laughs> mm -hmm. Amen. All right. Well, that's awesome. Well, um, and then kind of going to the question of what, uh, you both were on obviously the backside of Revoice this year, virtual Revoice, virtual yeah. Revoice 2020. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Um, kind of in that house where the room where it happened, you know? Mm. Um, and well, I would love to hear what was your guys' experience, you know, pulling this off, which you guys did great. Uh, Becca? It felt like equally one big panic attack and the most incredible like jesus peace all at the same time like 
trying to explain kind of what was going on in my head the whole time is difficult anytime I'm involved in an event like that. But that that's the closest that I can describe it of like that battle of having been an event planner in the past and wanting everything to be perfect. And we've got to do this without a hitch and people are depending on this. And oh my gosh, how is this going to work? None of us have ever really done this before. And how do we recreate that community with the exact same time of almost physically being able to hear the spirit saying, just peace, be still <laughs> like, just, mm. it's going to work. This is what we're doing. It's going to be fine. I've got this. And being able to see over those days, even things that in our human limited nature that we didn't anticipate <laughs> stuff that, that happened, that it was like, well, that's, you know, that <laughs> was not in our plan. Um, that the Lord used it and it worked and there were no massive trip ups that even when things in our perspective were, how are we going to deal with this? People came together and the Lord moved and it just worked. And to have feedback that was from people who were really nervous about who had been to revoice before of, I don't, I don't know how this is going to work because we aren't together in an embodied group. Um, them saying that was the closest to real fellowship I've had in months because we've all been quarantined to the fact that we had hundreds and hundreds of people who were able to join us for the first time because it was online. So it really ended up becoming like the best of both worlds that everybody, you know, all the old group of people that had been there for a year or two were able to get together in chat rooms and over unofficial Zoom meetings between sessions and still had that fellowship. But we were able to interact with a whole new group of people who probably never would have been able to be a part otherwise. Yeah, I, I completely agree, Becca. I mean, it was like, craziness and we won't spill all the tea maybe there's some outtakes you know somewhere <laughs> you know, yeah. um, some like bloopers because it were there were some real bloopers going on in that house i mean it was just like you know you could not have imagined you know the the um the degree of warfare you know that was around getting this thing in and off the ground mm -hmm. but um what becca said is completely true you know what what we find like we do here again like just speaking right to to the human condition that when when, when the pressure was on you know everyone in that room you know jumped in you know to yeah. to do something to leverage something to carry load you know, um, some mm -hmm. some sort of weight you know in order to make that happen and you would think that maybe there wasn't as much it was a few of us in a room it was really just a couple of shots you know a couple of cameras um but there was a lot of choreography you know, yeah. um, for, for, for people and, um, you know, just, and then not, not, not only that, but then for us to also not just be, um, you know, making this program happen, but to experience it for ourselves too, right. you know, and, um, and I know that that happened for me. And I, I, I said this, it's really interesting because I travel a, a great deal for, for work. So in three years of the revoice conferences, you know, this was the only one that I had been there for the whole conference. Yeah. And I, oh, it was, wow. yeah, so I was like, literally, so here's like my only point of feedback, which is feedback to myself, which is like, make sure that I have someone waiting at home for me when I get back, because the re-entry, leaving everybody was the worst part. Yeah. 
Yeah. Leaving leaving everyone behind is always the worst. And I think in retrospect, that's why I like don't do the whole conference ever. Be, because I know I just get so connected, you know, to everyone. It's like and then self-preservation. I just, um, it really is. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's hypervigilance and self-preservation at its highest. Like I come in for a day and I go like, okay, no one talk to me. Let me get on stage. Let's not share a moment, you know, because I'm just going to want to stay mm-hmm. here with you forever. And yeah. this year that wasn't that. So I'm, I'm grateful, you know, for the fact that I had the full time to experience all of us working together, um, to experience the online community as well was really powerful, you know, for all of us that were in the room. Um, I think the intimate feel of the entire thing translated, you know, in the online yeah. experience, but it was just as palpable for us in, in, in that room. And, um, you know, what, what I think I, I, I just know I need to manage it better when I get home because I really did. I just love everybody. It was just, it was easy to fall in love with everyone. And even the people that we couldn't see that we were missing, you know, from years before. So anyway, yeah. I mean, Josh, I don't know what your experience was as an online participant, but. Well, I'm honestly, I, I think I said it in our last episode. I, um, was not, I, I didn't have <laughs> expectations. Um, mostly just because I got like virtual conference burnout by that point. And I was just like, I'm tired of sitting in front of a screen and watching. Things. <laughs> totally. Um, I understand but- that. Yeah. And, and like also kind of that whole thing with revoice of feeling like, Oh, but part of Revoice is the connection and how is this going to work and all of this stuff. And I have to say, I was really pleasantly surprised by how it all went. And I was, I was really encouraged because I think one of the things that even for me that to the max of what helped was it's going to seem kind of basic, but the chat, the chat that was happening during the conference was really good to be able to see people that you know and, and, and that. And, and then on top of that, even, um, I'm not a Twitter person, but I watched some interactions of like of mm. of like people that I knew on Twitter, and just being able to be like yes. someone qu- quoting it and being like, "Oh my gosh, yes, yes, yes," and yeah. and I there were so many good talks that I have to go back and rewatch, um, and I plan to uh, whenever whenever it's available because <laughs> um, I yeah. did rewatch a little bit of it before after the conference. But um, it, I think the other thing for me that was really encouraging was I watched it on um, the um, at my parents' house on my parents' TV for most of the days, and it was cool because my parents actually got they sit da- sat down and watched a little bit of it, and then oh, wow. there were just a few times where my mom or my dad would hear something, and they'd be like, "Wow, that's really good," and I'd be like, "Yeah." <laughs> Of course. We actually know yes. what we're talking about sometimes. Yes. We're not like heretics. It's fine. Yeah. We're there's actually decent stuff happening here. So I think I think it was great. I think you guys did really good. Had multiple times times of crying, you know. Mm-hmm. All good mm-hmm. things. Good sign. That's a good sign. Mm-hmm. And um so yeah, I was I was really glad. And I was glad of the news of, of you becoming executive director, Becca. And, and it was cool to see our co-host team there. And, and it was also cool to see so many people there that we've had on the podcast. And it was yes. just like, it, it was fun. So yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. My, was my favorite feedback along that line is from a couple of friends of mine that I used to teach with that were just so excited about how things that they heard 
were applicable to their own life. It was like, it's not like just mm. for gay people like this. Totally. Like that totally applies to my life. And I thought, well, Christianity yeah. is Christianity. Yeah, totally. Yes. Like, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. <laughs> there's helpful stuff for you too. It's great. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Okay, well, let's start getting into our topic a little bit. And But I guess to first start out, um, Brandon, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you identify, uh, maybe how you've come to where you are in reconciling your faith and sexuality. Sure. Yeah, really great to be here with you. Um, gosh, who am I? There's so many things to say. How much would you like to know? <laughs> we could spend all day just on me, probably. Um which is unfortunate. We'll just, we'll just do the whole podcast on there. I'm not saying anyone would be interested, but at least we could spend <laughs> the whole day on it. So, um, uh, yeah. So, uh, I live in Washington DC right now and, you know, I could give the vocational spill, you know, I've, uh, spent a great deal of my life as a great deal of my vocational life as a social worker, working with kids and mm -hmm. families and all those things. And so I've started a company a long time ago where I could do that and, um, have been coaching and doing counseling, um, as a, as, as a part of how I show up in the world, you know, but have been talking about, you know, race, gender, all the things we don't want to talk about and trying to talk about these things publicly, but really trying to help people to work together across their differences, um, groups, organizations to figure out how they're going to posture um, all of their efforts and their resources, you know, towards healing the world and make it a better place, you know. I think it's especially important, you know, for people of faith and faith-based groups really be interested in that and to grow in our competency and being able to do that. So I just have found, I found early on when I was a kid, a young whippersnapper, that that was something that I really wanted to be a part of. You know, it, it sounded when I was in in, in the third grade, it sounded like I wanted to heal racism or something like that. You know, I just felt like I wanted to cure the world of racism on top of being a superstar. That's really what I wanted to do. I really wanted to, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, play, um, uh, the Britney Spears, you know, in my main life, you know, that's really yes. what I wanted to be, um, or Justin Timberlake or wanted to be a fly on the wall of their, of their relationship they didn't succeed but that's what i wanted to do when i was younger really so i've sort of tried to blend um sort of the competency of sort of a therapeutic approach to living and bringing mm. people together community psychology approach you know to helping people come together with some sort of failed attempt at stardom but um how i um how like identify in the world you know is uh you know it's it's a little bit harder, you know, for people to kind of grasp this notion. It's kind of like, if you want to know, ask me, um, because there isn't a term um, that exists, honestly, that uh, is, is compelling enough to actually articulate all of what I feel like I am in the world or all of my story and all of how I've come to be who I am as a believer or otherwise. So um, I, I allow people to use a shorthand. Sometimes I'll use it, you know, maybe same sex attraction will capture it. Maybe gay will capture it. Maybe bisexual will capture it, you know, but really, you know, um, you know, to steal a term, you know, it's probably more sexual is the word fluid, you know, but that's mm -hmm. another word that has a lot of connotations to it. And at the end of the day, if you want to get to know me, you just have to ask me, right, about what it is that I'm mean and and what the details of the story actually are i can give it to you in 30 seconds you know to some people but but um in reality is that i'm not um in the business of being you know um sort of 
trivializing my own identity, you know, so that people feel better, you know, about um, being a part of a collective of some kind, because I identify with it. I'm fine with it. But I just think that there's just more to me than just the words or the, or the terms. Um, so I'm fine with them. I just would prefer on most occasions just to give some context. So but if you ask me, do I like guys sometimes? Absolutely. If I dated women, totally. So we're going to do it all. <laughs> you know, <laughs> while while we're trying to figure this whole thing out, Whereas we're just kind of figure out, you know, where everybody can have a piece. But at, at the end of the day, it's just really important, you know, for, for people to know, um, not, not even that I identify as, as a Christian and all of this, or, I, or, I, or that I identify as being like more traditional, you know, on these topics, you know, but it's important that, that, that people really understand the fruit of God's pursuit of my heart, um, that people understand um, the impact and the power of God's pursuit of me and his transformation of me. I am a truly converted believer in Jesus, no matter the cost, no matter the consequence, when I don't want to pay that cost, when I don't want to experience those consequences, because his love is real. That mm. is all. That's, that is all. Mm. I love that. And your unwillingness to um, flatten or narrow down who you are um, in your humanity, that part of that humanity is inherently being an image bearer. And we know that we serve and worship an infinitely complex God. So why, why would we want to flatten ourselves out into a one word definition, which people will inevitably inflate to be more than what it really should be in the grand scheme of who we are holistically? Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I mean, it's hard, you know, I think for, for any of us, you know, I think having gone through, you know, the, uh, whatever the transitions are, whatever the challenges are, you know, from being, um, like identified one way, you know, sort of people checking the box on us, you know, um, and then trying to show up in the world with as much authenticity as we can. And recognizing that there are repercussions for that, you know, and, um, you know, uh, Becca, you're an example of that, Josh, doing that in, in, in your way. I mean, we, we wouldn't be here talking about these things if we weren't making, you know, a pretty, pretty strident commitment, you know, to telling the truth as far as we know the truth about ourselves in the context of this truth that is ultimately um, so comforting and absolute and reassuring um that uh i am looking as the writer of hebrews would say you know not for um a city that i can see you know or a status you know that i can feel with my own hands or a relationship that defines me on the side of heaven but instead i am looking forward to and i am a citizen of a city that is not made by man's hands but one whose builder and maker is god you know mm -hmm. and that is that is where we're going that is where we're headed so all of these things about tag tag lines or you know whatever it might be i am this and then you know whatever it is that we feel like can assuage people's fears you know about um are you a good enough christian are you a quality enough christian are you a quality enough gay mm -hmm. <laughs> you know whatever oh, yeah. it is you know all of those things you know are so like sedimentary like like they're they're actual like what what paul would call dung right like all of it is just dung or the writer of ecclesiastes you go all the world is vanity right everyone in it you know it's just vanity and it's and the, the only thing that makes you know the life this life worth worth living um is to have something worth dying for 
And the only person that was that I feel like is worth dying for probably is, you know, or at least the closest thing that I know right now, our family, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. the, the people, this is the John, John 15 thing, like no greater love has a man than this. And he would lay down his life for his friends. But then where does that come from? It comes because Jesus did it already. Like he's not, he's like, I laid down my life for you, right? So it's really him when we say that it's worth laying down our lives for our family or for our friends. It's because he laid down his life for us first. And so it's worth laying down our lives for him. Um, so then it's worth living for him. You know, he's the vision of what it means. And so it's just unequatable, right? Like this is, this is not, I mean, this conversation, if you guys hear me, I try to take it to such a, and to like a, a place that we could never approach, like the, the, the throne of grace without the mm-hmm. blood of Christ covering us. We just couldn't. And so all this other stuff, let's go through the fire, let's go through the flood, let's suffer through identity, let's do it. It's all worth it for the glory that's being revealed in us. It, it's, it just has to be. Otherwise, I just turn it in now. I, I just throw in the towel. And sometimes I want to, right? And, and like, if you asked me in like five minutes ago, you know, before we got on this call, did I want to throw in the towel on something? I mean, absolutely, you know, um, or 10 things at, like at least, you know, but it's worth it, right? I mean, it's, it's a joyful love. It's right. It's Tuesday. Why not? It's a, it's a joyful thing. It's a joyful thing to throw in the towel on a Tuesday. You know, we can okay. do that. You know, we, we got, we got four more, day, three more days left in the week, whatever, you know, we're like, forget about it. You know? <laughs> oh my so, gosh. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And, you know, going back to what you were talking about, how, like, about your introduction, your identify, it's like, what a radical idea that if I want to know something about someone, I should have to go ask them and get to know them. A radical concept in our world. And, and I think that even leads into, honestly, what we're talking about here with social media, because with social media, I have to say, this has been a topic that I have been struggling all, a lot on myself. And I mean, I, I know I ain't alone on this, y'all. But um, because there is so much in social media of assuming that we know everything about someone based on a bunch of words that we see on a screen. Right. And, and then getting so fired up about people that I don't even see in my own life. <laughs> I don't even talk to, um, but uh, to kind of, you know, like, especially in the, in the year that we're in, in 2020 on top of like with election year and all of this kind of stuff, um, there can be so much of just wanting to yell at each other. just to yell out into the void. And obviously I don't want to cut down the true, like, like the true things that happen through social media. And I don't want anyone to think that I think that social media is useless or anything Um, Uh because it, it, it is very much has its use, but, but sometimes even on meaningless topics, I mean like very, very meaningless topics, we can get so fired up. I mean, just from, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking even on a topic because something, some, some, Something happened. Well, name name it. Name it. It's any topic. <laughs> Literally, yeah. you know, yeah. name it. Yeah. I mean, even just about daily things that then I'll see people arguing about on Facebook. I'm like, you know, there are some things to argue about on Facebook, and these are not some of them. Um, and mm. how do how what are your guys' thoughts on um how we can create like how do we engage in social media in a way that seems sensible, in a way that we can actually have a productive conversation or a or a healthy relationship with it 
um, in the midst of just so much yelling at each other without ever listening to each other. Are you waiting for me to answer this question? Whichever one, whoever, <laughs> Becca or Brand Becca? Brandon, whichever one you would like to go first. Go ahead and go first, but yeah, that's Becca, cool. Becca, I, I feel like I feel like I can be a little radical on these things. Yep. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, I'm I'm like you, Josh. I think that social media is barely the enemy, mm-hmm. you know, um, but it's not your friend either, and mm-hmm. um, and that would go from any for any platform, yeah. you know, um, not just Facebook yes. or Twitter or whatever it is, you know, uh, whatever it is your your poison is, if it's Instagram or LinkedIn, you know, I mean, people could go all the way back to MySpace. I think we, you know, let's go all the way back to MySpace yes. and all the horrible Thank things God. that happened on MySpace. Which of, yes. were you both I mean, on can MySpace? You imagine? Uh, I was uh, on it. I was on it. It's a there real situation. In one situation in my life, when people rearranged their top six or their top 12 friends that showed on your profile, <laughs> there were yep, that's right. people dropped out of the profile page and it was not pretty. Can I ask you, yeah. do either of you remember what your like quote theme song was on MySpace? Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> I don't remember that. Um, I don't remember that. Mine changed all the time, but it was some... It was always something very deep and and powerful. I'm sure it was something that had to do with oh. like greed or mm-hmm. nickel. Oh God, I'm I'm yeah. so afraid it was like, do you ever want to hurt me by like Boy George and the Culture Club? <laughs> like I'm so afraid that that's what it was. Do you ever want to hurt me? Oh, you know, yeah. like whatever. I'm so afraid. Mm-hmm. Do you ever want to make me cry? I'm afraid that it was like that, you know, but boy, George, I mean, that would have been so telling. I mean, he's the ultra gay. Mm. I mean, he's the total English gay, right? So it would have just been like the worst, but I'm afraid that I was like, not as aware, Yeah, <laughs> you know, that would have been the equivalent of like me putting like Gaga on my, on my, oh, yeah. on my like Facebook page or mm-hmm. whatever. I don't know. I still remember. I am, I am afraid. That's what I did. I still remember with mine. I was that very weird mix of a gay that grew up in Christian culture. Cause I remember at one time, Time it was a David Crowder song, and another time it was Britney yeah. Spears. So, <laughs> I just confused that's right. everyone. I said that's some impressive code switching right there. Oh, yes, it is a very impressive code switching. That's right, from Britney Spears to like delirious, you know. Congratulations. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, I mean, I, yeah. I just, I just think you know, you know. So, I mean, if 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 these social media things, if they are literally just platforms. Then, you know, your question, Josh, is like, how can we engage these things, you know, in, in a healthy way? And, um, you know, maybe my radical answer is that if if you can't, you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because um, it's revealing, you know, of, of a greater character thing, you know, that has to happen. I know that's a bit challenging if you're feeling isolated, I think, especially right now during this time. So I want to be careful, you know, to not just give a binary, you know, or just sort of like a one size fits all, you know, kind of answer. But I think there's something that that I that, that's worth highlighting, which is that, you know, social media can be the trigger. I mean, these these things are platforms for our comparison of, of people that we hope that we can be like one day. Mm-hmm right? For whatever reason, or their comparison between, you know, so we look at other people and their lives and we create a story about how God relates to us versus how he relates to other people. Basically, we say, if if you are a believer, if, if you are a Christian listening to this going, well, look at how great it is that God blessed those people. You know, God is a God who blesses and, and he is a God 
who cares, but does he care about me? Mm-hmm. Right. right. And we're, we're just not so inclined to that. So I think that, you know, the first step probably is just acknowledging that we're prone, you know, to wander, mm-hmm. you know, into these pits, you know, of comparison that social media oftentimes presents the most nefarious opportunities for us to be engaged with. Um, and then, you know, uh, the recognizing that social media is not a substitute for human interaction. Mm-hmm. And um, it can supplement it if we if we're using it in positive ways. So I think it is it can be important you know, to make sure that if that a social media is your only option, um, you know, for real, you know, for human interaction, that groups, you know, are are really great, you know, because you're building relationships in the context of those groups, and hopefully they're closed or semi closed groups, um, you know, where you can engage um, in. And, and, and the safety of being able to challenge other people and other people being able to challenge you, um, you know, and, and how you think. I think that what happens with 140 characters is that you put your, your thought out there and you could really care less what anybody thinks about what you're saying, right? right? And if they disagree with you, then you just go after them, you go at the jugular. I mean, there are a lot of people that we deal with in this space, right? You know, who are, I mean, gosh, can I call them oh, out sure. by name? Why can not? I call out some of their trolls? Can I call out like the Janet Meffords of the world who are just all up in my proverbial business? I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't even know who you are. <laughs> like, I've never heard of you before. I've n- I had never heard of you until your until my name was in your hot mouth. Like I didn't understand right. what was I didn't I didn't even understand how important you thought you were, right? Mm-hmm. Or how important you think you are. And at the end of the day, like you are no more important and have no more of a platform than anybody else does, right? But this medium through which you communicate from gives you the illusion that you are more important than someone mm-hmm. else. Yeah. And that's what we're using social media to do, right? Like we we can say that's not what's happening, but at the end of the day, we're comparing ourselves and we can use it to convince ourselves that through our arguments or through our posts or through the number of likes that we get, that somehow we're not as bad off as other people or that we have more than other people. And, oh, I wouldn't want to be that person going through that, right? Until we come up against that post where someone is married mm-hmm. and you're not, or someone has children and you don't. Right. And then you start to go, woe is me. My life is horrible and it's over and I wish I were dead. And for some people, they actually do that. Kill yeah. themselves. Yeah. Right. And for some people, they actually, you know, lose their faith. Mm-hmm. You know, they leave the faith because other people are able to do whatever they want to do. So how come I can't? Mm-hmm. Right. And we do all of that. Right. And especially in the community that we're speaking to, to our audience, you know, for this podcast, I think that that's a real threat, you know, for us, you know, so we have to be really careful. I didn't answer your question. I just am exercising my own degree of caution, you know, for myself on these platforms, but Instagram, whatever, that's fine. I put up a picture of like little, like, like, like children. I don't do puppies. I just do cute kids. That's the way to go. Yeah. Who can get mad at a cute kid? Becca's kids are adorable. (laughs) I mean, Becca's kids are adorable. You can put all of her kids. The majority out. of what I post. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, I used to see social media as like an outlet for my natural inclination to debate and want to be right. Mm-hmm. And very quickly realized that that was not the space for that. Um, that trying to just show people that you're right all the time. It, it made me feel like I won things, but that's competitive. That's not relationship. And yeah. that was, that was the thing that that I had to realize the last few years is that if it's social media, the point is relationship. And so I really had I was very convicted of that idea of do I want to be right or do I want to be in relationship? And that right. has changed how I interact 
on, especially on Facebook, um, that when I'm on Twitter, it's more of a professional platform that I have this kind of personality and, and this is the thing that I do. Mm-hmm. But on Facebook, it's, you know, like my mom's best friends who were like my second moms growing up and people from my dad's church. He's a pastor. And so like my home church that people that knew me when I was in like the sixth and seventh and eighth grade, you know, or that babysat me when I was in preschool. And, and that is a very different audience and a very different environment. And so just things that like, if I'm rolling through my Facebook feed, there are lots of times that I have to almost out loud, tell myself, they think this is funny. (laughs) So that I don't, mm. but I can just keep scrolling and go and really judging whether or not I can engage with somebody in a way that will be wholesome and edifying to the people who are watching. Um, not even so much caring about me and the person that I'm interacting with directly anymore, but if I know that I can't change their mind, is there a possibility that I might be informing or helping somebody else know or understand something? And if not, just realizing that it's going to be a waste of my time and I might feel better and feel a little pumped up about, oh, look how smart or look how right I am. But it's not really the point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I read a book a couple of years yeah. ago that was so huge um, for me with that. It's called Humble Inquiry, uh, mm. The Gentle Art of Asking Instead of Telling. And really just going with um, Edgar Schein as the guy that wrote it and His whole thing is instead of just assuming that if a person disagrees with you or if you are in some sort of conflict or even if you're just coming in to help in a situation, I would always assume people didn't know. Like if you disagree with me, you obviously just don't know and would just start telling. (laughs) And and his whole thing Mm. is instead don't assume that you know it all and are coming in to save a situation. Ask questions Mm -hmm. instead of just coming in with a Superman kind of attitude and being able to do that and just assuming Mm -hmm. that I know more, Um, you know, the Hamilton thing of why do you always assume you're the smartest in the room? Like that was such Mm -hmm. of mine. And um, (laughs) just remembering that I'm not and that I need to ask questions and need to be as encouraging and supporting and uplifting as I can, even if I'm having to rebuke somebody in what may be going on, that I can still do that in a kind and loving way because it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. So if someone is even grievously wrong or in sin, if they've slandered somebody online, there's still a way that we need to be able to approach that um, that's kindness. And I think that goes with, especially with our audience specifically here, Um, with our side B siblings that a lot of times that's what we want to do is just pile on somebody, tell them what an idiot they are, you know, defend one another and by going on some sort of personal attack against somebody that may be questioning ideals or philosophy and just attack them as a person. And, and that's, that's the hard thing to try to do because we want to defend one another. We want to defend our faith. Um, And a lot of times we get attacked from both sides. So we get religious conservatives and then we get LGBT liberal progressive that we get it from all directions. And so having to deal with that ends up being something that we really have to see what sort of what sort of thing is going to be going on, um, how we're going to be able to maintain our 
testimony of Jesus beyond whoever it is we may be having a conversation with. Wow. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. I mean, literally, you gave a much better answer to Josh's question than I did for this reason. <laughs> Let me actually tell you why. Um, is because kindness, right? And humility um, as the, an- the antithesis, the antithesis to self-preservation, mm-hmm. right? And oftentimes, we're engaging the platforms out of a place of pain and fear, needing to feel affirmed and loved. And I would even say needing to feel worshipped and adored, needing to feel like people are devoted to us, right? Like we need to have fans, you know? And if someone agrees with what I say and I get, you know, 30 likes versus 120 likes, you know, on that post or hearts or whatever, it or now hugs or whatever it is, you know, like people are spending billions of dollars to get us to take on a nonverbal lexicon for value, for what makes me valuable right. in the world, right? And it's not even non nonverbal in the sense of like, oh, I hugged you, really. It's that someone clicks something on on a page on an internet site, and somehow I'm supposed to feel better right. about who I am or the pain that I'm going through. And in reality, I I think you know, Becca, what what you're highlighting is like this. Um, it's 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 different than lament, you know. I know we talk a lot about lament, but I think there's something to the glory of God that sees wonder and beauty um, in suffering, right? And in um, not feeling like we have to defend our positions at all, right? You know. And I'm like, that point that you made, you know, about like, it's the LGBTQ, you know, left or the right or whatever it is. And then there's the religious right. And I just go, well, I mean, good, good, good for you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just good, good for you. And if you take those letters, they can mean something else. And sometimes those are appropriate as well. And if you go, (laughs) you know, it's like you you just kind of go like, it's like sometimes it's not worth it to die on these mountains, you know, of trying to defend your position. Right. But instead, it's more valuable to your point. So it's like, you know, it seems like people just especially for the side B siblings, you know, there's been so much loss over the last year, right? Not necessarily, I mean, like loss of fellowship, right? Like loss of communion, you know, from people that come in and they leave and they come in and they, and they leave again, right? And it's not even so much that people are like, you know, I'm, I'm not doing an assessment of people leaving the, the, the faith or not, but you leave fellowship with people that you've been in common struggle with it's painful and it hurts right and those are the groups those are the the the, the means of our communication with with one another is on the platform yeah. <laughs> you know like we're engaging with with one another on that platform and and it makes it um you know difficult you know to not being able to socialize with people who all of a sudden have made a decision that they're going to leave that quote unquote group they're going to leave the online space and that translates into right leaving fellowship you know with one another and i just you know i i i don't know i i think it's just we've 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 got a lot to contend with within our person within ourselves that uh yeah we want safety in our group whatever that group is but at the end of the day you know we're we're like responsible for taking on those 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 qualities of humility and letting god be our defender and volunteering into suffering as a part of the beauty of what it means to follow God, you know, what it means for him to live in us. And um, 
how that translates in the social media. Let each person make that choice between them and their and 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 how God's speaking to them. But at the end of the day, those those themes are still ringing true. You know that um, there's there's just no there's no substitute. You know for for letting God um, use us. You know in service to one another, as opposed to using these platforms as a way to yeah. serve ourselves. Yeah, that's good. This this. I have been spending a lot of time, as I said, trying to examine my interaction with social media, um, especially like earlier this year, I got on Twitter for the first time and quickly took myself Ooh. off because it was playing too much <laughs> into my ego. I am a three. My ego is already big enough. I do not need it anymore. And um, people <laughs> sharing and liking. No, I don't need that. Um, but I have started recently in social media to kind of take a posture of right before I post something before, especially before I post something of going, what is, what is my purpose in posting this? Especially if it's something on a controversial topic, if it's on something beyond like here is me at the beach with friends kind of thing. Um, if it's beyond something like that, asking myself, what is, what is the purpose? What is it? Is it so that people can, is it simply so that I can have that, like my ego satisfied? Is it even, honestly, even, even if you take pictures of me at the beach with friends, even there, why am I posting this? Is it to share it with friends or is it because I want, as, as you were saying, Brandon, like we, people have invested so much money for us to get our sense of worth from like emojis <laughs> and, oh, right. um, uh -huh. Mm -hmm. And many times I have come down to this. If it's, if what I am there, if like pictures I'm posting of me doing stuff in my life, if it's not simply just to share it, if it's to make it look like, oh, look how great my life is, do I really need to post it? Um, and also at the same time, like mm -hmm. one of the other hard parts that I've run into is um, like when everything happened um, with George Floyd and everything, I, I posted about it kind of, um, and then, and then I didn't talk a lot about it on social media. And I had a few people ask me why, like, why didn't you talk more about it on social media? And honestly, for me, what I ended up doing was I felt because I had been processing a lot of this stuff on my social media. And I want everyone to say, I'm not saying this is like the stance that everyone needs to take of how they interact with, with topics such as race on social media was I ended up having those conversations in person with my family. My family and I have very different views on, on, on on race and on sexuality and on all of these topics. And I found that I could be more productive by having one-on-one -on -one conversations in person with people in my life um, than necessarily putting things into their feed on social media. And I, and I did yeah. put things in, I did put things on social media, but then as I interacted with family and friends through social media, I found like these conversations need to be in person in my context. Um, and um, that was the way I tried to deal with it. And, and I've tried to deal with that on, on, on issues like sexuality and faith is that putting things on, on social media as a way of saying, this is where I stand um, when needed and, and putting those out there. But then ultimately, I, and, and please y'all, please tell me if you think I'm wrong on this, but um, then um trying to reserve when those conversations happen in my own life because of my situation. Like I have major issues with mental health. Um, I have major issues yeah. with depression. Um, and um, I 
I've been diagnosed as bipolar as well. So like I, I have to manage my health, my mental health in a specific way that, Mm -hmm. um, I know will help me. Um, and so those are some of the things and it's hard because then like, for instance, for instance, for me, if it were not for like some of the side B groups that I'm on in Facebook, I would not be on Facebook. (laughs) I just wouldn't. Right. I wouldn't be, but it's funny because we in the LGBT community have a constant history of finding others within our community, not even just side B, all LGBT people. We, we find our community through internet and then we have these internet connections and it's like at revoice, the first revoice, everyone came and everyone kind of knew each other, but had never met in person. (laughs) That's right. And that's right. About needing to have our profile pictures on our name tag so that we would like, Like, (laughs) Oh, that's that's you. And then you kind of, you want to approach them as, as like, close friends, but then you're like, ah, I guess we're not, I've never met you in person. And there becomes, and this is where I'd also love to hear your guys' thoughts. First of all, as people where most of our LGBTQ community might be on online, especially our LGBTQ community of faith might be online and balancing that with local community. Mm -hmm. But then on top of that, I would also love to hear your guys' thoughts on sometimes as we build our relationships online, Sometimes these online relationships can become very intense, realizing sometimes that we may have never met in person, and yet we talk more and share more of our life with a person who we've never met in person than with the very people that we do life with. Mm. Yeah. And would love to hear mm. your guys' thoughts on those kind of dynamics. Yeah. I mean, I mean, let's, I mean, I think you're touching something that's really real. And something that, um, you know, is, is definitely worth being addressed here. I mean, maybe the most direct way of saying it is, you know, be, because there's this shared experience and because people are meeting in an online context, some walls are down, yeah. you know, in a way then in which they wouldn't be down if you were meeting in, you know, in an in-person way. Um, and you take risks, you know, because you're behind you know, a, a screen. And for some people, and I've totally done this before, it's like, I've met someone, you know, that totally aligns. You know, I feel like I'm safe, you know, in, in ways, you know, to talk about my whole experience in this or anything, really, not just sexuality, but anything to share parts of my life, you know, with someone who's fundamentally <laughs> a stranger to me, <laughs> you know, um, mm-hmm. at least at the beginning, you know, of these types of things. And because you have some sort of shared something, you know, not just a storyline on sexuality, but maybe even just, you know, you are attracted, you know, to that person, to their ethos, to their look, whatever it is. And then you open up not and not really knowing that like what I'm really doing is I'm somehow opening myself up to a possibility of something that I know I'm saying I can't have. But if maybe I found someone that was aligned a little bit on traditional biblical living that maybe we could cross the boundary together in a way that yeah. wouldn't be healthy. You know what I mean? Like this is something that mm-hmm. I know goes through my mind. I don't know if you guys are like this. This is what I think about. And so I'm like literally like, I'm like, this is like not the peach yeah. tree I need to be climbing right now. You know what I mean? Like I need to be moving away, you know, from this as an as an opportunity, which, which if you don't have an alternative, right, then – or feel like you don't have an alternative, right, um, then then – you isolate or feel isolated. So we take on that risk, you know, 
And sometimes people on the other side of that risk do end up, you know, getting into precarious scenarios. You know, you end up meeting someone, you know, you end up engaging in a conversation, you end up sharing pics, you end up doing all of these things, you know, you're like, how did we get here? And it's because, and, and, and there was something that, that you said, Josh, that like triggered this um, about, uh, you know, how, you know, the people are, are paying dollars, you know, for us to I mean, billions of dollars trying to get us to define ourselves or to feel our worth, you know, based upon likes or whatever it is, right? And what what comes up for me is a deeper question, right? A deeper thing that I feel like we need to confess, which is something that might just be fundamental to the human condition, which is that we have a craving to be yes. loved, a craving to be to connect, right? A, a craving to belong, right? And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And with LGBT people, right, have always, especially on on this traditional biblical Christian side of it, you know, still, or, or really any side if you're a Christian, feel this like threat, you know, of being, just because you have desire, right, for connection, having that being demonized and shamed, you know, um, in a way that makes you clam up all of your desire, <laughs> as opposed to recognizing that, like, I have, I, I have a craving to eat, like, I have a craving, like, I know, like, I'm, I'm going to be satiated, like, I'm, I'm going to eat dinner when, when we get done here, and I'm going to be hungry again, you know, in nine hours, I'm going to have to eat again, right? And so, this is why we keep coming back, you know, to some of the platforms, right? Because, but, but our, like, relationship to food, can determine whether or not we gain weight, right? Or if mm -hmm. we stay within a healthy range, right? Our relationship to that craving for belonging in the context of how we use social media will determine whether or not we end ourselves, um, you know, and end up in a more precarious scenario where it's hard to lose the weight, right? right? But, but, but really defining, you know, and, and getting help and accountability, you know, for what it means to eat too much or eat too less. You have to eat your vegetables, so to speak, you know, when it comes to these um, types of platforms, you know, then, then, then there is potential for having a healthier relationship with That's this, good. you know? Yeah, definitely. And especially for those um, who find more like-minded people through social media, um, that was a huge connection for me, not just with um, the LGBT community, but with um, people of more of a theological like-mindedness that some of my closest friends now have come out of what were initially um, social media yeah. groups, either back in the day. Some of, some of my dearest friends, we met in conversations um, in the comments on blog sites mm. before we even did Facebook and yeah. stuff. And but what has been able to sustain those things over the years is that embodied connection. Like we did finally mm -hmm. meet up. We talk on the phone. We hear one another's voices at least once a year. We get together in person. Mm -hmm. um, and so they have transitioned from this almost a, a false transparency or a a really a super transparency, mm. you know, because we do have that filter of being embodied taken away on social media. So I can share with you my deepest, darkest theological, like not know what your kids' names are. <laughs> you know, so mm. you, you have mm -hmm. that you have that disconnect where at the same time I may know 
everything intimately about my family or about the people I work with, but I don't have any sort of deep connection with them. I know all their surface level stuff. Yes. So we have a complete disconnect of people who know our deepest souls and don't know our everyday life and people who we live everyday life with and we don't actually know them. Come on. And come on. So it's like, how, how, do you, how do you fix that? Mm -hmm. Can it be fixed? Should it be fixed has really been kind of the thing that I've struggled with um, in those times that I really wish that I had those deep connections with the people who are immediately around me on an everyday basis. Um, I've, I've come to see that for a lot of it, we aren't meant to have that type of deep relationship mm -hmm. and really being open to the Lord using this technology instead of being like inherently fearful of it, being able to say, these are people who are, you know, heart friends that we are committed to one another, that we lift one another up, we share with one another. Um, and we wouldn't have met were it not for the internet. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, yes. there are people immediately in life that, you know, live five minutes from me that I know would drop everything in a heartbeat, but not only don't know the deepest workings of my soul, they probably would be horrified if they did. But I need those people who would be able to. <laughs> I doubt that. <laughs> if I've got to run a kid to the emergency room, they don't necessarily need to know, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And so being able to be okay with the fact that we just have different relationships with different people and the fact that that is okay as long as you're not using it to hide or to compartmentalize, you know, yeah. like if somebody in bodied mm. relationships jumps onto my Twitter feed, are they going to be like, I don't even know who you are. Mm. Are, are they, am I going to be called out for being false or fake or could those two worlds as it were kind of trade places somehow invade one another and people in both areas are still going to inherently recognize me for who they know me to be. Cause otherwise I'm probably projecting maybe not a falseness, but almost a divided sense of who I am. And, you know, James oh, no. says a, a divided, a man whose mind is divided is unstable in all of his ways. And he's speaking in the context of trying to be, you know, overcoming hypocrisy, basically of trying to follow Christ and doing your own thing. But it's a good kind of rule of thumb for me to make sure that I don't fall back mm -hmm. into that wearing masks and playing games and trying to be a people pleaser that does my online persona um, translate into who I am in person and having those people that are involved in both areas really helps that out for me. Um, like we've got a side B group here um, in Chattanooga that they're pretty good about that. You know, that we meet five or six times a year at minimum just for social things. And then as individuals or unofficial mm -hmm. things, we get together on a fairly regular basis. Mm -hmm. And that's something that they're really good about that. You know, if one of us has gotten a little highfalutin about something, or if we've gotten really worked <laughs> up about something on social media that the other ones are good about saying, Hey, you know, let's bring it down a notch. Or why don't you bring that into this group and vent about it and yes. doing it out in the yeah. wild. Um, and those are good friends to have, to be able to have that, that they kind of bridge that gap and be able to help keep you on, um, whether you're online or in an embodied relationship. Yeah, that's really good. 
Yeah, it's so good, Becca. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's really important to like as as you both were saying to realize like there's many people, and I think in honestly for most people, like we have to acknowledge that online relationships are just part of life now for many for just <laughs> life. Um, and especially for people that I'll even mm-hmm. say for me, like I have maybe two like side B people that live within an hour of me, but that's it. I mean, obviously one of them is my adopted brother. So that may be one person that lives within mm-hmm. an hour of me. Um, and so recognizing that like building I have a good, healthy local community, but of L- other LGBT people of faith, not really. And so there's going to be a part of my life in that way that, like you said, can be online um, and meeting up throughout the year at times, you know, um, doing stuff. I'm about to go on a road trip to go see side B people around the country. So, um, yeah. so that's a whole thing because I knew I needed it. But um, I, I think that being able to have ways that those, as I, I can't remember the exact words you use, Becca, but that those online relationships can become manifest. And yeah, um, I think for me, as I've managed, as I've navigated online relationships with other LGBT people, you know, I have done great things and not so great ways of dealing with those relationships. And again, the thing of mm-hmm. me coming to the question of the, um, when I approach, when I start to get to know someone is first of all, the question of why am I getting to know this person? Is it simply because they look great in their profile picture? (laughs) Is it because, is it because of, um, I just feel good by being validated again? Or is there, because I, I see like an, a valid friendship that could come from this, you know, like an honest, valid friendship. Um, and some of those online friendships that have become people that I've met online who have now become some of the dearest people, like some of those have become the dearest people in my life that I would not trade yeah. for anything. And they yeah. live in other, other cities and yet they're an integral or part countries. of my- Or countries. It's yeah. so true. Or countries. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, but I think it's just that managing of um, the other part that I've had to manage is making sure I am, as I'm investing in those online relationships, that I'm equally investing in the opportunities for healthy local community around me. And that doesn't always have to be LGBT people, um, but it can be people that understand or, or even it can be LGBT people that maybe are not a faith, but still can support you. If you really need to get to know other LGBT people, Um, you know, if you feel like that's something that you can do. I know for me, after a while I needed local other LGBT people, and I just didn't have anyone of faith. And so I got to know some, some of my good friends who none of them are Christian, um, but they support my decision to be celibate. And um, that's not something that I feel like I very often find, but I did. <laughs> um, yeah. um, and so I don't know, I think there's so many different ways that we can do it, but it's that kind of way of, I've had multiple times where some of my local friends have been like, you are texting a lot and you're spending more time with your online friends than you are with us and being like, yes, you're right. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I think, you know, as I'm, you know, getting older, I won't date myself entirely because <laughs> you don't need to know that. But, um, <laughs> I think, um, maybe wisdom, I'll be sage, you know, one day, um, in my sage years and my elder years have, have just come to recognize, you know, that I only have but so much time in a day anyway. 
You know, if I'm right. really like committed, you know, to, you know, these themes, you know, he, here again, like not engaging um, my relationships or partnerships or my decisions in a world where I'm mostly concerned about my preservation or my needs, which are important to acknowledge, right? But there's this thing that like Jesus gave us, this great commission thing that's really right. important. It's like, you know, go into all of the world and make disciples, right? Mm -hmm. Or um, here again, no greater love is a man than this, than he would lay down his life for another, right? To lay down mm -hmm. his life for his brother, right? Or, um, you know, and, and on and on and on and on and on, right? You know, you're these themes of like, um, of like taking care of the orphan and of the widow, right? And so what, what I'm realizing is that to work on myself, <laughs> right, means that I have to be out and about doing those things. You know, yeah. like what Jesus says, he goes, what you do unto the least of these, right? You were doing unto me. And if I'm spending, you know, 80, 90% of my time during the, the day, which I have done and sometimes do, it might've been today where I was thinking, gosh, I just need a relational fix. You know, yeah. I need someone to touch my shoulder. I need someone to like pay attention to me, like all those things. I think there's something wrong with that, right? I think that there's a balance to that, but when I, but when, if I really get down to it, quality versus quantity, right? Yeah. Quality over quantity. That means that I have to take a really huge risk and making sure that like 80, 90% of my interactions are probably going into two or three people as a single right. person, right? Mm -hmm. Um, out, outside of family, right? Outside of like your immediate family, whatever it is. And, and, and for some of us, you know, it's like my family doesn't get that much time for me because they got me for, you know, X number of years and I was theirs and they owned me. Right. But now it's like, no, 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 this is like, what, what is it, you know, that, that I need from a, from a relationship or two or three or a handful, right. Where I have made a commitment to those people. And those people have made a commitment to me that we're going to go deep with you. Mm -hmm. Um, whether that's an online relationship or, or friendship, or it's an in-person one, whether they're LGBTQ or same sex attract, whatever your language is, there's something that those people have to share fundamentally in order for us to even move forward in that one, I have to be called to you. I got to pray about it. Right. Mm -hmm. I got to pray about it. Who am I supposed to be with? Right. And then not just who, but why, right. And the, the why has to be fundamentally connected to my being able to help that person enter into their calling in Jesus, in 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 God, and they have to share a value for that, right? Um, that doesn't mean that I don't have friends that aren't, you know, that I, like I don't only have friends that are Christian. That, mm -hmm. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying that in order for me to really go deep in quality in the way in which I'm investing in another person and then the way in which I want to be invested in, someone has to get that so that yeah. I'm not putting all the people in my life that I want to be close to in a wagon and trying to pull them along with me, right? right. There are sometimes people that you have to find that you have to ask God for to help him bring them into your life. And, you know, I'm not, and, and I'm not saying that these are guarantees. We have to ask the Lord to bless us in this way. You know, Paul spent time in his life when he was in jail, he didn't have community, right? So community is not that thing that we can look at God and say, you owe this to me, mm -hmm. right? right? It's something that we can say, God bless me with this, right? And I'll do my best to, 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 to gather with the people who are gathering with you, right? And that's, yeah. that's where Paul comes in in Thessalonians and he says, you know, don't forbid it, you know, to like come together, you know, with like, or, or, or like forbid it not, you know, to, to, to come together with those that are in community with you or, or that are a part of the church. We have to commit to those themes. But at the end of the day, this is my verbose way of saying, 
find the people, find your people, right? That you are willing to be vulnerable with. And that's not 20 people. I guarantee you it's not 20. I guarantee you it's not 10. Maybe it's three. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Maybe it's three. Really, really risky for someone who's going through, you know, um, uh, sort of some isolation from being, you know, um, you know, the like identifying as SSA in, in a traditional biblical Christian community, maybe, you know, for some people is what some people's stories are. So just know that, that we understand that the stakes for that are high, but just pray and consider what it looks like to go deeper in relationship with a few people, maintain your online relationships, but recognize that, that, that they can't get 80, like not yeah. everyone can get a hundred percent of you. Mm-hmm. Right. That's so good. And honestly, that's such a good reminder for like an extreme extrovert like myself, where I want to be profoundly in relationship with 30 people and then have to remind myself, mm-hmm. no, that doesn't really work. <laughs> it doesn't. You don't have time. You need an assistant. No, you I... need to get yourself an EA. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Manage your calendar, you know, get with all right. those people. Oh my gosh. Know? Yes. Well, um, as we're kind of wrapping up here, I would love, you know, talking about navigating social media and some of the things we've talked about here for, I mean, for Brandon and, and Becca, both of you guys, what would, what would be two, three top things, quick things that you would recommend in general, whether for things that we've already talked about or other things, um, related to navigating social media, online relationships, all of that, um, as a summary point to end this whole thing. Yeah, I would say taking the time to establish boundaries for yourself um, of what you're willing to talk about, what you're willing to engage in online. Um, If you make an intentional decision, like I will not feed the trolls, Mm -hmm. then that's something you need to stick with and have online friends who will help you with that. But know what it is that stresses you out, that causes you pain or anxiety and realize that you have the ability and the right and really the responsibility to yourself and to your relationships to turn that stuff off when it gets to be too much. So know your boundaries know um what you can handle and what your limit is and take intentional time away from screens Mm -hmm. um that's one Mm. thing that my uh, my pastor stresses for us as far as taking um sabbath that he does screen free one hour a day one day a week one week a year and that that has been a good rhythm for him to Mm. have and Something that I I try, I've not ever really perfected it yet, but having those just intentional times away from that to reconnect with just the world around me is a huge part of it. And the other thing that has been an important thing for me um, is really looking at how Jesus modeled friendship. And I think I may have talked about this on the podcast before, but just how he has, um, you know, he has the beloved disciple and then You've got Peter, James, and John, who are this like kind of posse group that is his close group. And then there are these, you know, there's a total of 12 of them that all hang out with him together. And then he has the masses that just follow him around and that they don't all get equal amounts of Jesus. And he spends more time with the father than he spends with any of those people. 
um, of just using that relational model, not only online, um, but just in my relationships in general, of trying to make sure that I'm only giving as much of myself as the Lord is calling me to give and only investing um, and receiving from other people what they've been called to give me and being able to just have that self-awareness of of seeing where people fall within that kind of model and and how I can use that to be healthy in who I am as a friend and as just a person in general. That's good. So good. So good, Becca. Well, that's it, right? I mean, okay, look, <laughs> I'll give you a few things. Okay. Um, I think that's just brilliant and just sums it up so perfectly. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, for me, it's, you know, one, no one can navigate through, you know, these struggles, especially right now. You know, if you're navigating through Corona, maybe you've lost your job, lost connection, maybe you've got that thing, you know, Miley virus, you know, you caught her, you know, and <laughs> she just needs, she just ruined you, you know, and just sort of like, it was just a thing you know, and it caused you to isolate or whatever it was. And, 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 and social media has been your, your thing. It's been your, you know, your pastime or, or, or one of your pastimes, you know, for me, it's, you know, Instagram and Netflix, and it's kind of like how I'm getting through the days, yeah. you know? Um, and so how am I choosing, you know, to manage that right now? And this has been a, a, a growth process over the last six months where the Lord's just really spoken to me and goes, you know, the Brandon, you're not quarantining more than you're cocooning. You know, yeah. you're really changes your opportunity to change, to transform more into my likeness if you let me do it. Right. Um, the quality of your transformation will be the will is is like determined on the quality of your yes to me. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So practically, you know, where I'm being challenged, you know, is to go back to something that I learned in in college from a mentor. Um, which was, you know, to, to, to go back to the one thing that I said that I would do, that I would build into my life, um, that I would do for the rest of my life every day, at least five days out of the week, every day. And that thing in college was actually going back to getting up in the morning, right. And making sure that I gave the first fruits of my day to God. Mm -hmm. Um, not as a, not as an exercise. This is why it was hard. Cause I felt like it's, I don't mean get up and do your quiet time. Like people tell you to get up and do your quiet time. Cause that's what you're supposed to do to be a good Christian. Mm -hmm. No, it's like, I got to get up in the morning because I'm so desperate for love in a way that can only be met by what Jesus has. It, it, it just can't. I'm so, but I don't even mean to come desperate in a negative way. I mean, like David writes it this way. He's so in love. He goes, one thing in Psalm 27 that I have desired of the Lord, and this I will seek after, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to inquire of him in his temple, to gaze, listen, this is how beautiful it is, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord all the days of my life. He just can't get enough. And, it, and But David is also the most raw and real person ever was. He goes, if I make my bed in Sheol, you were there. Where can I go to hide from your presence? And I don't think that that's some cute way of David being poetic and saying, oh, if I go down. No, no. He's like, no, no, no. I'm running away from you mm. because <laughs> yeah. you're asking too much of me. You're yeah. asking me to be more beautiful than I think I am. And yet you keep finding me and calling me beautiful. So basically what it is, is that God's like, look, I've set my face towards you, son, daughter, as the one thing that I love and that I care about. 
And all I'm asking of you is that you'd set your face towards me like I'm the one thing that you love and that you care about. And so mm-hmm. what I've done is I've positioned myself and I'm practicing this. I'm at like 60, maybe, maybe 30%. It depends on the day, right? Where I'm getting up in the morning and I just like, you have to help me love you, right? But I'm going to sit here for just a few minutes and I'm just going to give it to you. I'm yeah. just going to be honest. This is what, mm-hmm. so here's the first thing. Don't put, put your phone away from you when you go to sleep. So that when you wake up in, in the morning, it's not the thing you reach for, Yeah. right? It's not the thing that you go for, but instead, just put your Bible next to you. I'm not even saying you have to open it, but at least you're going to be more tempted to open the Bible than you will be to open your Facebook or something if, you're, if your phone is in another room or it's on another table or something, right? At least you'll be convicted by the presence of the word that you decide you're not going to open mm-hmm. because you open your phone first, mm-hmm. right? Take the Bible, take your Bible interaction off your phone. Number two, take it off your phone, yeah. put it into an actual Bible. Okay. Um, and then um, uh, number three, I think is if you need to, you know, reach out, get counseling, get coaching, you know, um, uh, and I think do online church, even if you don't have community with that church, pick a church and do it consistently, right? Um, if you don't have a church home that you can go to right now, maybe you've got pre-existing conditions, whatever it is, you can't get out, yeah. right? Or just no one's calling out for you, you know, just pick one. Because even even then, you know, something's coming in and there's an opportunity that you can learn or opportunities that you can learn about, about how you can connect with other people if, if you do that. The rules, those principles still apply, even though we're in COVID. Don't yeah. abandon your principles. Let's not abandon who we say we are and the things that God's given us to do just because the world's falling apart. The world is going to fall apart 10 times, but our vision, our hope is not in what's going on today, but it's in what we're waiting for and what we're, and, and, and what we're bound for tomorrow. And mm-hmm. always remember that we were made for love. We were made to love God and, he, and, and, and we were made to be loved by him. Yeah. And so this is not some frou-frou thing or some like message about, you know, let's just do the things that we're supposed to do, the quiet times or whatever it is. No, 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 no. It's like a real relationship with with God that's 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 filled with 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 love. Like real love is one where I'm running from him and one where I'm pursuing him, you know, when I choose to. And it's that that paradox is existent, you know, in a real relationship. Talk to anyone who's married. Mm-hmm. You know? And they'll tell you, there are times I want to run away from this person and dag blame it. Do I have to spend the rest of my life waking up at that face and looking at that face? Right. Yeah, you do. You're getting old and fat and ugly. You know what I mean? And I got a, the rest of my life with you, you know? And God's like, you got to wake up the rest of your life with me, you know? <laughs> you know? So anyway. That's so good. Yeah. That honestly, what you were talking about putting your phone away from you so and putting a physical Bible by you in the morning, it connected something. I was listening to a podcast of a doctor neurologist who was talking about that when you're sleeping is the most important time for your brain. And that Mm -hmm. because of that, the first thing you see when you wake up is also one of the biggest things to form how your brain is going to function for that day. And how, if the first thing we're seeing is going on social media, what is that doing to your brain? kind of thing Woo, that's good and it, it's so good to think that's about good. like if we could just put that away if we even did that one thing put it away and hey let's put like i'm i'm convicted i'm talking about as for myself that's something i need to start doing yeah because when i heard that on the podcast yes. i was like dang it's right like literally that's the first thing i always do when i wake up uh-huh. is pop up on my phone what are my texts where am i so what what's happening on social media um 
So that's a that's a really good word. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us, Brandon. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm only as amazing as the guests uh, that are as the people that run this podcast, which is not it's quite vain of me to say, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, yeah, no, cut that out of the thing. What I mean to say is that I'm not that great. And that you guys are wonderful. And thank you for the invitation. No, you are. That's what I mean to say. But my Freudian slip notwithstanding. You are amazing. And Becca, as always, I'm so glad you're co-hosting today. Love you. Yes, love y'all too. I love getting love able to you. Love you, Josh. I'm so glad y'all are in leadership of Revoice. You're gonna do great. So, as of right now, I am. They might get me out. <laughs> I don't know. No, no, no. Anywhere. You think Becca might fire me as a board member? She might fire me. I don't know. Oh my gosh. No, I, I think I think that power structure actually goes the other way around. Does it go it? the other way around? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I suppose it does. You employ me. So, yeah. <laughs> so no, 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 no. I'm like a very hands-off board member. I'm like, it's it's, it's your business. What do you want to do? You know. <laughs> you know? Um, but no, it's great. No, this is great. I'm glad because Josh, to your point, you know, it's like you know, seeing people in person at Revoice, um, you know, last year, this year, in an online format, you know, it's it's it's. I'm, I'm grateful that we have these forums, you know, to be together and and to talk about the things that. That, that really do matter. So thanks for creating this forum as well for that. Thank you. Well, that's it for today, everyone. Thanks for listening. Remember, we are almost done with the season. We have about two episodes left and those are really great episodes coming. So keep on the lookout. You won't want to miss them. And right after that, we're finishing it off with the Bee Chat. So remember, you need to go register. If you haven't registered yet, what are you waiting for? Come and join us. We want you to join. It's going to be a great day. November 14th, pretty much from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. It's going to be a long time, but it's going to, we're going to have breaks in between. We're going to have a great time. You will not want to miss it. Also, if you are not on our Patreon page, you can actually get an extra discount to the um, Chats event through the, um, becoming a patron. It is totally worth it. Come and join us. Get extra content, extra bonus episodes. We are having fun over there and we would love for you to join us. Thank you all for listening. You are awesome. Love every single one of you and we will talk to you soon. Bye everyone. Bye everyone.